Welcome to Study Religion, the podcast of the Department of Religious Studies at the University of Alabama. My name is Mike Altman. I am an associate professor and undergraduate director here in the department, and I uh, am here with another episode in a series we are doing on making a jump. When do you uh, take a new road? When do you experiment with a new idea? When do you try something new along the way of your academic career? So uh, I have an interview today uh, with Dr. Shana Scheinfeld, who has built a really interesting uh, place for herself as an academic coach. Um, So I talked to her a little bit about what is an academic coach, what kind of things does she do, how did she get there, And it's just a really interesting conversation about somebody who saw uh, a space for change in the academy, a space for change, and uh, decided to just try something new. And it seems to have been working very well for her. So let's hear from Dr. Shana Scheinfeld. Dr. Scheinfeld, thanks for taking time to talk with us about this. I was looking at your um, your academic coaching website and your your um, one of your other websites about sort of your your, your academic work, and it was it's just really uh, interesting to have someone doing what you're doing right now to talk to about this the sort of question of agency, both of the, the decisions you've made and the way that you you know coach other people. So yep. thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So my first question is just for folks who don't know what you're what you're up to. Can you tell us sort of what you're doing as an academic coach and sort of how um, how did you get how did you get to where you are right now and doing what you're doing? Sure. So as an academic coach, what I do is I work with uh, with academics at any number of stages, including uh, administration and staff members uh, in the academy, as well as graduate advanced graduate students and you can kind of think of it as a life coach in the sense that I'm uh, present to help people work through any kind of uh, life changes, crises, areas where they find things uh, particularly difficult or stumped, um, where they're stumped with something. And um, and I help wor- them work through those things. So some examples might be um, an advanced graduate student or an early career tenure track um, professor uh, keeps getting asked to do things. They're junior. They feel obligated to say yes to almost everything. And because of that, then they're overwhelmed, don't have time to work on their own research and writing. And so one of the things that I can do is work with them to help develop boundaries and help them uncover their voice and use their voice in order to know when to say no. Um, and also then how, how and when to make the decision to say yes when they're offered opportunities. So that's just one example of the kind of thing that I that I do uh, for them. Uh, as to how I got here, I uh, I'm an academic myself. I teach, I write, and research. I enjoy doing those things, but I've been in both uh, jobs that have been wonderful and jobs that have been toxic. And as I've worked through those myself and listened to my friends and colleagues work through their own situations, whether they can't find a job. Uh, they're still in a PhD program after 12 years. Uh, they're they have the job. Uh, everything looks beautiful and wonderful on the outside, and of course they've curated their social media to come across that way. But in all reality, they're miserable because let's say 
they have it all in academia, but they don't have their own personal life. They don't have a family that they always wanted, or they, uh, they have a great job, but they're really in a toxic environment and they, they would like to get out, but don't know how, since they're, uh, according to academia's definition of success, living the dream. And, and I've, so I've watched this talk with colleagues and friends and, finally decided that there's really something here there's there's uh, there are things that are not being talked about that really need to be talked about in in academia as a whole to make us uh, holistic individuals to be able to integrate our ourselves as, as beings that have lives outside of academia uh, to address crises uh, to including job market uh, or writing crises and I, I finally just decided that it's this is something that I felt I guess a calling to do. I like I like to help people. I am experienced in academia, and it made sense to me then to take that next step and combine those two things. Did it feel like a risk at the time? Like, did it feel like I'm trying something that is a? Did it feel like a kind of career? Yeah, a career risk when you decided to try. Um, to, to jump into this academic coaching thing. I mean, you, you have, you know, you still have your, uh, in a position at, um, University of Kentucky, but did it feel, yeah, did it feel risky? Oh yes. And it still does quite honestly, we're trained to, to believe that the tenure track is the end all be all. And that if you're not reaching for that, then somehow you have failed. And so, yes, it felt risky. It felt risky to say, you know what, that's not my definition of success. That's not how I am going to define what success is. And it's really a problem, actually, that we're training graduate students to think that that's what success is, because the majority of PhDs don't end up on that track. That means there's a whole bunch of really smart people walking around feeling like they're failures. It doesn't benefit the academy. It doesn't benefit um, individuals. It doesn't benefit scholarship. It doesn't benefit uh, students. You know, it's it's just not it's not a productive way of of approaching things. So yeah, I mean, it felt risky, but it feels like the kind of risk that needs to be taken and needs to be talked about. Yeah, I think it's interesting when you um, you talk about all of the, I mean, the bare facts that there's way more people being. graduating with PhDs from various programs and in various fields than there are tenure track jobs for them. Um, and I'm curious how, um, how do you think that should shape the way early career folks make, um, think about their decision-making, both as they're finishing up their PhD, um, and then, or, or starting a, a career. I mean, how, how should, um, cause what I'm hearing you say, and I, I think is right, is that there's a set of expectations that are kind of we, we, that we are sort of handed. Yes. Uh, and I'm curious, what do you think, how do you think like, early career scholars should be a- approaching their decision-making when they're handed this set of expectations um, and beginning to try to navigate some sort of career, whatever that's going to look like? Yeah, it's a hard question because because it's it really begins at the level, the institutional level. I don't remember anyone ever telling me, this is what you need to do. You need to you know, get a tenure track job. This is what you need to do. But there was this expectation from the time I started my PhD program that that was the end goal. That was what you were aiming for. And there was never any discussion of what it might look like if you didn't go that route and how that can still be 
a personal success or a career success to choose a different route. So I think that institutionally, there needs to be some reframing from the beginning. But I also think that in terms of individually, we need to talk about it more. We need to talk about not just the fact that there aren't uh, as many tenure track jobs out there as there are PhDs, as there are just brilliant, amazing people who have uh, who have their PhD, but also that there are legitimate ways to participate in the academy without having a job like that. Uh, so you can be a scholar. Let me rephrase. You are you are not your job. And I think that that is something that is indoctrinated into us, is that we are our research, we are our output, we are how well we teach, depending on kind of where we are and, and what's important. But that's not the case. We are, we are individuals who are worthy and meaningful people. We're intelligent, we're scholars, whether or not we have a tenure track job or uh, have a postdoc. We are all these things, even without that job. And so there needs to be a level of, uh, I guess, reframing, a paradigm shift to thinking about what makes somebody successful. And ultimately, that's on an individual level. Uh, but I, it needs to happen institutionally. It needs to become more acceptable to not have a university or college attached to your name at the end. Yeah, I, uh, I'm... Uh... I'm nodding and, 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 and saying yes along, but I had to mute the mic because I don't want to <laughs> interrupt you in the background. Um, uh, yeah, so in that, when you're coaching folks, how much of, the, of, the, of what you're helping them with is navigating their place in the academy and how much of it is seeing their, the skills that they've honed in the academy at whatever level they happen to be in? as being marketable outside of it like you said you're an academic coach how much of that academic coaching is coaching to be within to stay within the sort of academic sphere and how much is to see what they've gained from the academic sphere and take it elsewhere yeah so i would say that when i coach it's mixed because usually people come to me when there's some sort of crisis. And so often our coaching work is uh, centered on a crisis. Maybe they're, um, they're, they've hit middle age, they're, uh, they're, they remain unmarried regardless of all their attempts otherwise, or they're married but childless. They may or may not have the job that they want. They may or may not have uh, the income that they want even if they have the job. So there's usually, there's usually one or two things that are really uh, a crutch. Maybe they have an interview finally after a couple years of not getting an interview and or a campus visit after a couple years of not getting campus visits. And they, they want to really hone in on those particular skills. So our work always starts or almost always starts with a, a crisis point. Uh, but my, my coaching approach is holistic. So we start out with what, what it is they want to work on right now. But from the beginning, I ask them to think about their whole life uh, as they live it now, as they see their work and their personal life tying together or not. And, and I will point out, we, we will develop together usually three areas that we'll work on. Um, including one of them being kind of the crisis area. Uh, but for instance, I've talked to people who are incredibly lonely in their work. They're amazing scholars. They do great things in their teaching. Uh, but when, when I read their intake form and we talked about it, they have absolutely no sense of community or personal life. 
and ultimately that doesn't make them a good scholar that doesn't make them a good teacher and so one of the things that we work on then is whole life integration um, for somebody else they may be in the academy but very unhappy with their current position and wondering if they can exit in some way that doesn't scream failure and so we'll work on then how to uncover their voice, how to recognize that social media is a curated space. And so most of what we see are, are only the good things that people like to talk about, you know, and, um, and to think about what that means then if there are other people who are feeling the same way, because none of us are alone. We all feel like imposters. We're all unhappy at times. We're all, I should say, we all feel like imposters some of the time, at least. You know, we're all unhappy in different ways at different times. For some of us, it's it, it's more consuming than others, but we don't talk about those things with one another. And so one of the things that I like to do is try and break that down uh, and and make sure that, that my clients understand that they, they aren't alone in this. And there are ways to to own your life and own where you want to go and call yourself a success. And ultimately it's only your definition of success that matters. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's interesting to talk about that, that, and I, you know, we can get into the, the details of why, but it seems that there's a, I don't know. I don't know. I've only ever done this for a living. So I don't know what other careers are like, maybe lawyers and plumbers and other people have similar tensions, but or maybe it's unique to the structures of the academy, but this tension between professional success and personal, um, and sort of or decisions being driven by by what by by the professional versus the personal, right? Um, when you describe the person who has the great job but is incredibly lonely, um, so I don't know if that's unique to what we do or not because I haven't I don't done think it. it is. Yeah, it probably isn't. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but I wonder, so with that tension, right, for someone who is just setting out, you know, P master's student even, PhD student, finishing up, what would you say to them about how they should view their own agency? Because those decisions, right, the, the person who is unhappy um, when they're an, an associate professor or a full professor or the person who's unhappy two years in to their tenure track job, or the person who's unhappy after, as a one-year visiting, whatever, there are various decisions made along the way, right. To get there. Um, so how do you, how would you, what would you, what would you say to early, early, early people about how to think about their agency as a scholar in this structure that has so much out of their control? I mean, people look at job, a job listing and there's 20 positions per, you know, 300 people in there. Right. And that's, that's, a, and that's applying to a lot of world religions jobs that aren't really exactly their set. Their right. Study, that's right? a good year. That's a good year. That's right. a good year. I don't, you know, yeah. yeah. I'm imagining, yeah. I don't know. Um, you can see how long it's been stuff. I've had, I'm looking at, showing my own problems here, but, um, but, but yeah. So what would you say, you know, that someone's trying to make sense of this idea of like how much agency they have, how should they use it? How should they think about it in the, in the face of the power structures of the Academy? Yeah. So I would, recommend and I would work with a client uh, to think about what their definition of success is, but also then to think about where that definition is coming from. If you define success only as a tenure track job, uh, I would probably call bull on almost everybody, <laughs> uh, you know, that, that they can't look at other people and say, yeah. yes, that person is successful, whether or not they're an academic. 
and so like to get to the root of of defining what what is success it's not necessarily having x job but maybe it's accomplishing these things in my life and so to always be able to kind of pull back and say i thought i was going to take this particular this particular highway to get there and it doesn't seem to be working out what are some alternate routes that i could take to still accomplish that level of success, but still also then say, is that still my definition of success? Uh, you know, so these things are, are negotiable and they, they change and they should as we, as we um, learn more and get older, dare I say, uh, you know, they, they change. And so it's okay to, to redefine what your definition of success is. But if you're, if you're going in with other people's definition or the academy, whatever that means, the, the academy's definition of success, there's a pretty good chance you're going to be unhappy because you're not living your life. You're living your life according to what something else has defined as success. Yeah, I think, you know, to go back to the, the thing you said earlier about people who don't have community, um, I, I, I look and think about how privileged I was when I was in grad school to have a lot of friends who weren't in grad school Oh um, yes. Who were roughly my age, but they were, you know, they were in their first job, you know, or middle management at, you know, at a firm or something like that. And so it was a chance to see that like, oh wow, success looks a lot different from my friend in marketing or my friend who works for a startup or right. That allows you to see that there are these expectations. For me at least that was huge to see that the expectations of success are are not just the monolithic ones of the academy of yes. getting your dissertation published and getting a tenure track job and that yes. i think yeah the i think the community thing not only as a support structure but just as a as a vision of like the world is a lot bigger yes um than what you may see around you um yes is and huge. it's e- it's easy to lose sight of that in the academy, especially in our disciplines. You know, we're on social media, you're around people in a lot of ways that do the same thing, broadly speaking, at least that you do. You go to the conferences where everybody does the same things, broadly speaking, that you do. Uh, the debates you're engaged in, in general, are around you know your discipline. And you forget that there's a whole world out there that thinks that what we do in general is you know, relatively unimportant. Uh, and that doesn't mean that it is or isn't, but it's important to remember that that we are a very small subset of a small subset in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think um, we, not to toot our own horn, but it's our podcast, so I will. Um, one of the things we've tried to do with our new master's program is bring people in from outside the academy early on so that, yes, we have, you know, most of our students come in knowing what they're going to do. Either I want to go on and do a PhD or I don't. And we right. try to prepare them accordingly, but we also make the people who are, you know, dead set on a PhD, listen to the local person who works for, you know, AL.com, the AL media group and hear what they have to say and listen to the people um, that uh, we can bring in uh, so that they at least see that, yes, go for this plan that you have right now, you know, that you, that you formulated when you're out of undergrad or two years out of undergrad, but, right. but at the same time, no, it's not the only path. And I think that's been um, something I wish I had had, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so thank, uh, I don't want to keep you too long, um, but thank you so much for doing this. Where um, where can people find you? Um, I know, I saw you had it. I do want to plug your, the blog on your uh, website, shannasheinfeld.com. The blog I thought, right. has some great posts on it. Um, thank about, you. That are, that are worth, uh, I would, uh, 
masters. I know we have a lot of PhD students who listen to this kind of thing uh, that I would commend to you. Um, but where can where else can people find you? Yeah, so I'm on social media. I have my website, shanasheinfeld.com. I'm on Twitter, uh, at Shana Scheinfeld. Uh, I have a couple of Facebook sites, um, which, again, you can search for Shana Scheinfeld and find me there. And uh, academics don't really use LinkedIn, uh, <laughs> but there's something to be said for for learning how. Uh, and I'm on I'm on LinkedIn as well. We uh, we had uh, a career workshop yesterday for one of our uh, alumni, uh, undergrad alumni who comes back and does work for alumni and MA students, for BAs and MA students. And I asked somebody, well, what's the, what did you talk about? Said, a lot about LinkedIn. Yes, so, I guess. So, <laughs> yes. so there you go. Um, thank you so much, Shana. This is great. I really yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Study Religion is a production of the Department of Religious Studies at the University of Alabama. For more information on our department, go to www.religion.ua.edu or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash R-E-L at U-A. Have a comment or question about the podcast? You can email us at religiousstudies at ua.edu or reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram at, at Study Religion. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a comment and a rating. That helps other folks find the show and makes you a very giving person. Special thanks to Kyle Ashley, a major in our department, for his help editing the show. Our opening theme is Two Minute Warning by Stefan Kartenberg, and this closing theme is Saturday Night by Texas Radio Fish. Both are used under Creative Commons license. We'll talk to you later. Roll Tide.